thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Uh, It's great to see all of you. Uh, Hey, we are... um, headed into the fall here, and a lot of great things going on that I just want to make you aware of before we dive into the scriptures. If you have your Bibles, you can go Daniel chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, then you can open up your iPad, iPhone, iLid, whatever you got, and uh, just make me a promise that you will not open any other app. I, person, promise you, Pastor David, I will not be on Instagram while you're preaching. If I do, all right, so just open up your Bible. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to go, but a couple announcements. First is, uh, on Monday nights, we're praying uh, every Monday night, and so uh, there's a couple things that are taking place there that I just want you to be aware of. Um, right, tomorrow night will be the last night uh, where, we'll, where we'll just say all babies uh, in the room. Um, and then the following week, we'll have uh, nursery and childcare available. And we also have our teenagers gathering. And really the dream is that we would gather together and pray together from 6.30 to 7.30. It's one hour. Uh, we just take the, the statement that Jesus made, could you not pray with me for an hour? And we just full on pray crowd to God for an hour. Um, and I just really want to encourage you on a couple things with that. Uh, not only are we praying together, but there's also a, 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 real, a real special little thing that's going on among our teenagers. I believe that God's doing something really special on Monday nights with them. And so there is, um, there is intentional uh, focus on uh, following Jesus with all of our hearts among our kids right now. And so, I mean, meaning our teens. And so that's happening where they gather together, they, they worship, they pray, they study the word of God, and then they break up into discipleship groups. And so uh, we have 14 different leaders, seven, uh, 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, for ladies and then for dudes. And so I just think uh, if, you, if you're a family that wants to be intentional uh, about your kid getting connected, your teen, sorry, your young adult, young, I shouldn't say kid, I got three of them, uh, your, uh, your young adult getting con- teen, uh, getting connected, uh, I think this is a great thing. So I just want you to be really aware of that. It's a great thing taking place on Monday nights. Two, I want to just encourage you that starting, uh, and good job, Dylan and Allie on the front row. Let's give it up for Dylan and Allie. What's up, what's up, what's up? Uh, and then also, beginning uh, next week, we'll start our 21 days of prayer, which we've done every fall since we started Radiant. Um, and actually, the first year, we did 21 days of prayer before we did the church. Um, and so uh, during that time, uh, here's kind of the spiritual journey that we're going on. Our aim is to help everybody uh, spend time alone with God each day as a lifestyle. And so we take 21 days, and everybody gets a journal. We'll have these available to you next week. Now, this year, uh, we, went, we went real... I mean, this is like five star. Kyle stepped it up. Uh, so these are like, these are like where you can you can actually like they're covers. Plus you can take these out. And so for the future, we're building for the decades ahead. And uh, you can we'll we'll just give you fillers in the future. So you better do it this year. Um, but anyway, these are going to be available next week. And so uh, if ever there was a time to come to church. It's next Sunday. Although all of you that are online, we will mail it to you. Uh, will we? Yes, we will. Okay. And uh, <laughs> just, I don't know how big a commitment that was. Um, 
<laughs> but you can go online. You can direct message us, email us, text us, tweet us, however you want to get in contact and give us your address. We'll send it to you. Uh, but I'm excited about that. I think one of the most, uh, just one of the greatest things that we can do as a church is, is spend time with God and know God. And so anyway, that's coming. 21 days of prayer starting next week. You're in Daniel chapter one. All right, let's go there. Let me pray, and we'll go after this. We're going to start a new series. It's going to be four weeks long, and we're going to look at uh, some of the stories here in Daniel 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and uh, I'm going to start teaching there. So I'll, just, I'll pray, and then we'll start. Father, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, in this season to really go after you and to really draw close to God. And it's a time where it's so easy to uh, live with fear. It's a time to... So many live with anger. So many live um, frustrated and irritated. And Father, we ask that there would be the evidence of God at work in our hearts and our lives. And God, even as we look at uh, Daniel and his friends and we look at their courage in the midst of crisis, I pray that we would live that way. I pray, Lord, that we, like Daniel, would walk with God and know God. We love you and we honor you. Everybody said amen. Uh, I really love uh, Daniel because there's, a lot, there's these narratives that point towards courage, that point towards consecration uh, in the middle of challenges and hardship and crisis. So I want to go after just spending four weeks and look at some of these stories. And the first uh, portion of Daniel has these great stories that we're going to focus in on. Um, then the last half has uh, a lot of end times uh, prophecy. And I want to focus focus in on these narratives at the beginning, because I'm looking at, um, I, think, I think some of the challenges that we have to walk out our faith as it seems like the culture becomes more challenging to walk with faith in. Meaning, I think it's more and more difficult to walk as a follower of Jesus when there is increased uh, anger, increased tension, and I think it's, it's so important that we walk with courage in the middle of specifically this time. And uh, so I want to go there. I want to talk about just I want to highlight four of these narratives, go after what we can learn in these stories. I went to um, Oklahoma City a few weeks ago with my daughter, Olivia, and uh, that's where I went to junior high, high school and college. So I've got a lot of history in Oklahoma City. But while Olivia and I were there, uh, it was amazing how much has changed uh, since the year 2000. I mean, 21 years later, it's uh, quite a bit different. Some things were the, ch were the same, but many things had changed. And so uh, we saw a lot of new hipster restaurants uh, that did not exist before. And uh, we, we saw um, just a lot of the... I went to my old high school, and, uh, and they have renamed the road in front of my high school, my alma mater, uh, Sam Bradford Drive which is awesome if you're a Sooner fan. I was kind of hoping that they'd rename it David Perkins Drive, but uh, they went with the Heisman Trophy winner. And um, saw my high school, they built it up a lot. It's a lot different. And saw some of, the, some of the freeways were different. A lot of things were different. Some of the things were the same. Uh, Lake Hefner was still there, exact same lake. Looked the exact same. Uh, that, the Southern Draw, hi, David. Welcome. To, we're so glad you're here. That's the same. Um, so a lot of things uh, had, had gotten different, but a couple things the same. And I just say that to say because I think as we look at following Jesus in our culture, when culture shifts, it's easy for us to shift. When, when culture starts to change, it's easy for you and I to move the line and change. But God doesn't change, and his word doesn't change. And I want to invite us 
to go deep in walking with him, studying his word, and not let culture dictate your conviction, but let the word of God go deep inside of you. Let who you, what you believe to be true, what God is saying to you. And so I was thinking about just looking at culture that seems more and more self-absorbed. It seems more and more godless and relativistic. I was thinking about, you know, you can always go towards even, even you can name a season of your life uh, in terms of age. You can talk geography. And it's easy to be a cultural Christian uh, when culture tolerates all of your convictions. But when there's tension, it's easy for you to move your conviction based upon culture. And I want us to just go bedrock on what we believe. I want to invite you to think through some of that and pray through that. And, and really at the core, my dream is, is that we would gain greater conviction. Honestly, uh, I've been obviously meditating it on, uh, on it this week. And so it's, I've been more aware of it. I was thinking about on, on Tuesday night, we did family movie night. I took my family, um, uh, as well as four of us, went to um, uh, a, a Disney movie. And, and honestly, I, I felt my stomach churning as I watched it um, because I could just hear all the different isms. <laughs> I could hear everything so intentionally trying to capture my kids, help my kids rethink and, and I could even, because I med was meditating on Daniel 1, I could see Daniel 1 just taking place in front of my eyes. I could see some of this storyline that we're going to dive into taking place. I sat with a father this week uh, who has his children uh, in the school system here in Johnson County. And he told me about a challenge with his teenage son in the school. And he told me about the godlessness taking place with his teenage son in the school and I began to just think about how challenging it is to really train our kids in the things of God in the culture that is, that's, that's dark, the godlessness that exists all around us. And so he's a great father, and he's trying to intentionally train up his kids to be a light, to be, my favorite word, a radiant light. And yet we were discussing in the midst of in the midst of the, the real struggle of a real high school kid really trying to follow Jesus, what some of the specific things were and what the challenges were and some of the ideology. And, and I'm not talking about things taught in the school. I'm talking about the culture of the kid around the kid and, and what he was experiencing. And I just think it's so important that we lock in with what the scripture says. I was talking to my teenage daughter this week. She's 15. And she showed me on Instagram some of the, some specific posts and some specific things that are targeting her age group. She was asking me questions that if I were to be honest with you, I thought, how on earth is my 15-year-old daughter asking these questions? Like as a father, my aim is still to be forming her and protecting her from the very things that she's asking questions. But the world is so dark and everything is so right in our kids' faces it's so challenging. When I was 15, I mean, Deborah and I, we were like fast forwarding Anne of Avonlea getting drunk with, you know, her friend, you know, like it was a different season, a different day compared to what I'm dealing with, with, with parenting my teens in this culture. And I just give you those three things because those three things took place this week and I could feel it. I could see it because I was alerted to it. And I want to alert you like I was alerted. I want to alert you about this season that I think we're in. Because I think if we could kind of pull back and recognize the world that we're living in, 
we'd have, wow, we'd recognize, man, Jesus, the light of Jesus has not changed. He is, he is bright. He is king. He is God. And we need him like never before. We need God in the midst of this. It's the uh, line in The Wizard of Oz that Dorothy always says is, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. I, I kind of had that feeling like, I don't think things are cute and sweet and easy. I think we're in a real battle. I don't think we're in cute Christianity I don't think cultural Christianity works in 2021. I think we're in a spiritual battle and your choices and the way that we intentionally live our lives in pursuit of God and in, in relationship with one another and praying together and making disciples of our kids, I think is so critical. I think it's a season that we can't live with Christianity on the back burner. I think it's a front burner season. I think we got to give everything to God. And I think if we, if we live our lives thinking that kind of just a church attendance and a casual approach to God will get me through, I think will fail miserably. I think that when I look at where we're at, like it's a season to get close to God. And my prayer is that in these next 21 days that we'll start next week. And my hope is that this, these four weeks in Daniel, as we go through these 21 days of prayer, that this would be a season marked by you encountering the Lord by you spending time with them, by you kind of recognizing the season that we're in. And I know you could say, there's always, it's always the season to turn up the intensity with the Lord. And I'm saying, let's do it. Let's do it during the season. Let's go after it. Let's recognize we're in a, a dark, a dark world that's coming after us and our kids. And I think we got to go after it. So here we go. Daniel chapter one, the context here, Daniel and his friends they're captured and taken into exile in Babylon. So here they are, and they're growing up. And, and, and you got to imagine the pain and the struggle to literally be taken from home. And, and in, in this context, we're going to read, I'm going to go Daniel 1.1 in a moment. But this, this is where Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and, and takes them, just captures them. That would be significantly disrupting. And I just thinking about your life, so many of us feel like our lives got significantly disrupted. And oftentimes we become angry and bitter. And I want you to see Daniel's response to when surprise, <laughs> things didn't go your way. Surprise, the, the, the life that you thought you were going to have, you're not going to have. And that's what Daniel experienced, and so did his friends. Here we go, Daniel chapter 1. It says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. So we just begin with verses 1 and 2 of these young boys, and they're about to be taken and I just want you to see this unexpected trial. And I was just thinking about reading Daniel 1 and looking at our unexpected trials. Because many of us, whether you're talking the loss of a job, whether you're talking about the loss of health, whether you're talking about the loss of a family member, where you're talking about distance, where you're talking about a loss of financial means, there's so many different ways where we too could have experienced an unexpected trial. But really, when we look not just at Daniel, but you look at the, at the New Testament, you look at the way that Jesus talks, he says things like that you will face trials. You will have trouble. He says that to his disciples in John. In James, we've got James saying, hey, concern it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And here, Daniel and his friends, they're going to experience 
an unexpected trial. And I just want to encourage you with this. As you go through the good days and the challenging days, unexpected trials are part of the journey. Unexpected trials are part of what we get, and it's the test. How will I respond in the midst of it? But as you go through unexpected trials, just like Daniel and his friends experienced, how will you respond? So instead of being a victim, you're a disciple. Instead of being angry, you're growing in your affection towards God and let every test, every trial be something that draws you closer. When I was in college um, working on my undergrad, I was a theology major. And so I thought that as a theology major, I could take mostly just Bible classes, maybe a little bit of English, you know, let's just cruise through. And they told me it was a liberal arts education. They said, you have to take chemistry. And I said to my advisor, why on earth? I'm going to be a pastor. How am I going to use chemistry? And they said, you have to take chemistry. And I said, is there any possible way I can possibly not take chemistry? And they said, no, you, you, you must. It is a requirement for you to get a degree in, it was actually called religion, uh, your religion degree which I know that scares many of you, but your religion degree, you have to take chemistry. And I began to pray, oh God, is there a way out of chemistry? All the high school students are like, oh, this is the first time I can resonate with my pastor. But anyway, yes, I too prayed that. And they said, the only way that you can finish this education is if you'll take chemistry. And unfortunately for me, uh, that year, my senior year, chemistry, the class that I needed was only on Monday night, which meant not only did I have to take chemistry, but I had to miss Monday night football. It was a double pain. But here's why I say that, because in order to get the degree, in order to pass, in order to finish, I had to go through that course, that trial called chemistry. It was required. And in your journey with God, I just want you to know, trials, it's, it's par for the course. It's part of the journey. And how you respond. And here's the deal. Sometimes because we have been raised with such an abundance in our nation, it's easy for us to just think, I shouldn't have to go through pain. I shouldn't have to go through trials. But I just want you to know, as followers of Jesus, whether it was Jesus, James, or we look at the stories, and this is common all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, it's not just Daniel. I mean, you can go straight through and you can look at Joseph. You can look at David. You can look at so many Old Testament narratives. God is at work when somebody's going through a trial because you can't see the ways that God is working. And here, God's going to use Daniel in a mighty way, but Daniel doesn't return. Daniel goes to Babylon, and he lives there the rest of his days. I just want you to know, <laughs> Renata's, one of my favorite quotes that Renata always says is, this ain't heaven yet, baby. <laughs> it's not heaven yet. And one day we'll be in heaven, but we, a part of the journey, a part of you graduating, is walking through some of these challenges. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after, they, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So here the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he takes these Jewish boys, takes them out of their land, takes them away from what they know. And I'm just going to summarize what he does here with three words. I see him taking them and then teaching them. And then he's going to title them. So he's going to take them out of what they know and all that they're, they've grown up with. And then he's going to train them or teach them. That's the way that the text here used the word teach. He's going to teach them for three years. 
And then what I want you to see is going to rename them. And this is often the enemy's plan for not just you and me, but for our children. This is what the enemy still today wants to do to get you checked out. This is the, an attack that the enemy still uses on you. So look at this, verse six. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. I just want you to see that. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So obviously, when we look at these names, these are Christian parents because each one of these four boys' names, and most scholars guess these guys were about 15, give or take. Some guess a little older, some a little younger, but about 15. And they're taken from what they know. Teenagers, young adults. And they're renamed. So he takes them from what they know and he's gonna train them for three years or teach them for three years. And then he, he says, I'm gonna give you a new identity. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a new name. Listen to these names. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. So there's, there's what his name meant. This is who you are. Let me tell you. And in Jewish society, in this culture, these names meant more in terms of identity than we often have in our American culture. But, but the name is Yahweh is gracious. That's what Hananiah meant. That's the Hebrew name. But then given the name Shadrach in Babylon, which means I am under the command of Aku. Mishael means who is like Yahweh. And that would be like an expression, who is like our God? Who can compare to you? No one is like Yahweh. That's what that means. Who is like Yahweh? And the new name, Babylonian culture is, um, sorry, uh, Shadrach is I am under the command of Aku. And then Mishael is no one is like Aku. So then Azariah is Yahweh is my helper. Abednego, I am the servant of Negal, another God. Daniel, Yahweh is my judge. That's what it means to Belshazzar, which means I serve the God Bel. So here's the renaming. Here's the titling. And all of these guys obviously had great Christian parents. They've got all these names connected to Yahweh or to El Shaddai, Elohim. These, you listen to Daniel, right? Or uh, Mishael, or uh, this Ha is the Yahweh. It's these names for God. And then renamed, instead of a, instead of a name, a title, an identity around God, we're going to give it to a pagan God. We're going to rename you. Here's why I say that, because I think in our culture, we see the enemy coming and trying to do the same thing with us and trying to do the same thing with our kids. Trying to come and say, I'm going I'm to pull you out and then I'm going to retrain how you think. And then I'm going to rename you. I'm going to give you a different name. And so we give our kids names we give our kids training. We give our kids, and even ourselves, this foundation in God. And the enemy still comes and says, I want to I pull you out of that. Have you think a different way. Form your thoughts. So I form your thoughts, and I get, I get different behavior. You'll think different. You'll live different. And then I'll even put a new identity on you. So I'll call you something else. And even in our culture, and we'll see this with Christianity, 
all the time. Let's just give them a different, let's just give them a different name. Have them think of themselves, identify themselves differently than I belong to Jesus. I belong to him. I belong to God. I am his. I am the beloved. And culture is constantly wanting to try to captivate, pull you out, and then give you a new value system. Think differently. And then say, now you belong to us and put a new title on you, rename you. And I'm just, I think for me, it's been heavy this week because I'm seeing it so clearly with our children and I'm in the dog years of parenting. My kids are 11, 13, 15, and 17. And I'm seeing the culture that demands conformity. I'm seeing a culture that's always trying to get me And it was one thing when it was me, but when I see him going after my kids to try to forget who you are and let us tell you who you are, let us put a new name. And we're not dealing with the Babylonian pagan gods, but we are dealing with idols of our day. And it is, it is a whole lot of different isms and a whole whole lot of different ideas to help form our kids and our own and ourselves. I look at it and I have some Dear, dear friends that I watch, I've watched over the last 15 years, I've watched them be enticed, captivated by something other than God. An enemy doesn't care what it is as long as it's something other than God. And then that shifted into some research, some, let me, some tolerating, some different thinking that pulls away from the word of God. And then ultimately concludes in, well, I belong to a tribe. I belong to an idea. I believe just belong to something other than God. And I just want us to get real locked in on the intentionality that the enemy wants to kind of not only, not only reprogram you, but going after full bore, going after our kids. And of course, my parents would have said this in the 80s about, but I'm telling you, it's accelerating. I'm telling you what I had access to with five channels and just, just a little house and Knight Rider, it's a different day compared to what my kids have access to. I mean, it was talking to the watch was like, wow. I, was, I took my son uh, Justice to Disney World and I took him to Tomorrowland and he goes, dad, why is Tomorrowland like tomorrow? Seems like the past. And I was like, hmm, well, I think that's because that's when Walt Disney made it, you know? He was like, there's cars in Tomorrowland. Who cares? You know, and I was like, (laughs) But I I just think about each one of us and the relevance of these moments where we gather together and we worship because the temptation is to slowly conform. The, the, The temptation is to go out and it's Monday through Saturday, but it's Sunday afternoon. It's all the time. The temptation is to conform and you will be applauded when you buy into the ways of the world. And you will be called backward. You will be called um, ancient. You'll be called some, some, they will name you if you stand with biblical conviction. They'll put a name on you. And the temptation will be to slowly go, I'll just, I got pulled out. I'll just become like the rest of everybody else in Babylon. So my title today is Radiant in Babylon. (laughs) Because I think, friends, we're living in a time where you got to be intentional to get there. You got to be intentional to be radiant in a time that's so hard. I was thinking about when I was, uh, when I was a student at the University of Oklahoma, living in the dorms, it was the hardest time of my life to follow Jesus, just because of how 
intentional people were at trying to not only sin, but get me to sin with them. And so I'm loving every single person in our church that goes out into the darkest places in our culture and is a light because our world needs you. The most challenging time for me, I'll never forget, not just drunkenness, not just laziness in the dorms, but full on, I mean, immorality, full on, just living in those dorms was like, whew, it was, it was challenging not to conform. But Paul says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So 21 days of prayer is about intentionally helping you be transformed. And in order for us to not be conformed, you got to recognize you're in the battle and you're going to have to fight. When I was uh, in junior high, the, these t-shirts came out. You could buy them at Mardell. Remember, remember Mardell? I guess Mardell still exists. Uh, but you'd go to, you can buy everything online now. But Mardell, they had this t-shirt where it was like, it was like, it was like fish going one direction. And then the ichthus, the Christian fish going the other direction. That's the season that we live in. If you've seen the opening for The Chosen. Yeah, now I got an amen. Everybody from the 80s, they're like, everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everyone's like, oh, The Chosen. Now you're with me. Seen the opening for The Chosen. Fish going this way, and then the ichthus, the Christian fish going this way. And I like that beginning because then it's two ichthuses, and then three Christian fish, and then four Christian fish. That's the old Billy Graham quote. Wherever there is a man with courage, the, the spines of, of the men begin to strengthen. You know, it's that idea. Urgh, Billy Graham. But, but... But that's, that's the idea that I think that we will need in the season that we're in. That's what we see in Daniel. Yeah. That's where Daniel's going to go here. Is he's got this strength. He's got this courage. And I want to invite you. And I really want to go after parents for just a minute because my heart's breaking, honestly. I mean, this is the reason why we do Bold Conference. This is why we do Camp Radiant. Because this is, this, this is, this is I mean, the intentionality and, 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 and I, I understand when I say this, someone's going to quote, you know, first John four, four back at me and say, Hey, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I, I believe that with all that I am, I believe that, but I think there's a way that we show that. I don't think that we just kind of live and compromise and say, yeah, but God is good. I think we engage with the good God so that we can see victory. And I think that there's a lot of us that just don't engage. I think that there's a lot of us that just kind of live. I think if we live complacent, we will go downstream. I think if we live complacent, if we're not intentional, I look at some of the parents that are saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not be an unengaged parent. I'm going to not be the one that just lets my kids go. I'm going to be the one that cares about the relationship with God. I'm going to care about their convictions. I'm going to be all in. It takes time. Yeah, it takes time. It takes effort. Yeah, it takes effort. It takes prayer. Yeah, it takes prayer. And I am all in on making sure that I fight for these kids' hearts. I'm telling you, it's what we need. It's what, it's, it's the way I, I just, I just look at the battle that we're in and I think about it. I think we could even look at this moment and just look at it even in our kids' lives. I think in those years where they're little tiny kids and we're helping form them. And then you look at these 15 year olds and they get this test pulled out of Judah into Babylon and you talk about a test. You talk about a challenge. Now they're living in the king's courts and being trying, and, and the king's doing everything he can to inject Babylon into them. And the way that they're able to prosper, I'm going to use the word radiate, shine, thrive 
in Babylon is remembering Yahweh and remembering what they were trained in before Babylon. And I just think when I look at the life stage of each one of us, I just have a dream that at Radiant, we're very intentional with our kids and with our teenagers so that as they enter into adulthood, they are not passive or clueless. They know who their God is and they know what they believe and they're influencers. And that's our dream is that we, is that they would, that's my dream. So Daniel says this in verse eight, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Intriguing. Because Daniel, when he's taken, you don't see this big revolt. When Daniel was trained, you don't see this big revolt. Even for Daniel, when he's, when he's renamed, you don't see this big revolt. But the moment that they ask him to eat the king's food, you see this, is there another way? And in a courteous, kind way, he says, is there another way? And this would be because in so doing, he'd be eating foods that had been offered up to pagan gods. And so now he's like, and so he's connecting, you will have no idols. And he's saying, you, th- these things may be uncomfortable for me. I might not like these things, but the moment that you ask me to do something that's against what God has told me, then I take a stand. And that's the moment where Daniel says, is there another way? I just want to invite us to know that there's great moments where we show courtesy and we're kind and we don't die on every hill, right? Like, but then there are the moments where it's against the word of God and you say, here I stand. I, I, I will not go there. And I'm just inviting you, the, the, the platform that Daniel ends up being able, when he's an old man, to lead with is because he had convictions as a young man. So all the old preachers say things like, because Daniel didn't eat the meat, uh, the king's meat when he was a teenager, the lions didn't eat him when he was an old man, you know, stuff like that. We, te- we, we, we preachers like to say funny things like that. But that's where it started. It's, it's, it's in those early days. It's those convictions when he's young. And I want to invite you to allow the word of God to form convictions inside of you that no one's going to talk you out of, that you've got deep in your bones. So even when pushed, there is this, listen, you can do these things to me. You can, you can make me uncomfortable. You can harm me in these ways. But the moment that you, that you push me to stand against what I believe to be true on the word of God, then I stand. Then I revolt. Anybody remember Andy Minio? You can't stop me. All right, here's what I want in you. You can't have me, right? Like that. No. I lost a lot of people right there. Like, who's, I don't know, who's Andy Minio? He's a rapper, Is it, right? Uh, it's youth ministry right there. You can't, you, can't, you can't have me. I just, you, to the enemy, to everybody that's coming after you saying, oh, no, we want to take you out of Christianity. We want to re- cause you to rethink, rename, and you're going no chance. You can't have me. And I'm telling you, if you and I can get these convictions deep in us, it will give us an opportunity in the future to lead like Daniel led, to influence like Daniel influenced. Verse 18. 
All right, at the end of the, uh, I got to speed up. So I'm going I'm to skip 10 verses because I'm preaching slow today. Better drink some more caffeine for the second service. All right. At the end of the time, um, so for 10 days, they only had vegetables and water. And then I just went to see this. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them and he found none equal, none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which they, the king questioned them. He found them, and I love this, 10 times better, just better. You know, God's way is always better than the culture's way, always. Better than all the magicians and the enchanters in the whole kingdom. David, how do I radiate in Babylon? I wanna give you a few ways, and I'll close with this. I'll go through them quickly. Number one, here's what I love about baptism. The culture is always trying to identify you, take you, train you, title you, use different words, capture you, and then rename you. When we are baptized, we are making a statement. I am identifying with no other idol, no other God, no other ism. I am identifying. I belong to Jesus. I'm Christ's. One of the best things you can do to identify with Christ is take a step on your journey of faith and go public and say to the Christian church and to the world, I have decided to follow Jesus and then stamp it, make it a party. I mean, put it everywhere. When I, I was baptized, that's why well, that's, here at Radiant, we, I mean, we give, we kind of make a big deal about it. We, we, we give you a certificate. We put the date on it, put your name on it, take a picture. Like, let's go. Like, don't forget this. When I was, when I was a kid, my parents put, uh, gave me when I was baptized, I was baptized when I was nine. I was baptized on January 19th, 1985. What's up? 1985 Chicago bears. Super Bowl shuffle. That was the year. All right. And, and my, my, and I put it up on my wall and it was, my parents helped me realize this is a big day in your life because you're identifying with Jesus. So it became a part of my identity. And at first it was just, it just went up there with Dave Craig, quarterback for the Seahawks, Kurt Warner, running back for the Seahawks, Steve Largent, Jesus, you know, like, right. But then the other started to come down, be less significant, right? And just boom. And to this day, I mean, I got that date memorized in my head. And I'm just telling you, one of the best things you can do is don't make it, don't make it casual, a little churchy. No, it's more than that. It is I am identified with Christ for the rest of my life. And it's one of the best things you can do. Identify it. Second thing is this. I would encourage you is this. Is cultivate core convictions. Convictions that you can't talk me out of. That's what Daniel had. Daniel, I'm identified with God. My name, Daniel, God is my judge. And then have these core convictions. You couldn't move Daniel. When you get some of these core convictions, people can't talk you out. So you're just, you're strong. One story, I'm almost done. Not really. Third closing. I just remember, I was 24 years old and I was I was in Germany. I was at the airport in Frankfurt and I had been doing a ministry trip with some friends and then they just dropped me off at the airport and I was just going to fly home. And I'll never forget running into uh, a, a, one of my, a great Christian preacher, kind of a guy that I looked up to and he just happened to be in the Frankfurt airport with some of his team. And uh, so I just used the moment to just like go introduce myself and I just walked up to him, said hi, told him who I was and he was an author, famous preacher, and he was in his 70s. And uh, he looked at me and he goes, so you're a, you're a pastor? And I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, 24. Like, everybody thinks I'm 14. Well, oh, preacher, you know. 
he was like, asked me some ministry questions. And then he said, are you traveling alone? And I said, ah, oh, man, I just had a friend drop me off. And he looked at me and I mean, sternly, like he was 74 and he had an agenda and he put his hand on my shoulder. He's taller than me. And he goes, I never travel internationally alone and gave me the look of death. But here's what he had. He had this conviction, right? And it was something that impacted his ministry. He was, I was thinking about, it. he is over 50 years older than me. I mean, he's, and, and that core conviction impacted life. I'm telling you, we have things like that. There's just need old man core convictions like that. Just like you get them, but you get them at 15. You get them at 20. And they're not legalism. They're, you're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And because I'm in relationship with you, God, what are the things I'm just not going to do? What are the things that you just, I'm not going to allow that in my life. So I'd invite you to get a couple of those that you form. Let the Holy Spirit help you form those things. And then I just encourage you on this last one. I, I want to invite you to just live on offense. I'm going to say radiant in ba- in ba- radiate in Babylon. Here's what I mean by that. We live in a time where the only way I believe that we'll be able to be a radiant light is if you are intentional about being an influencer. Thank you, Dawson. I love you so much. Everybody needs a 17-year-old son like that. Uh. If, when, 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 listen, it just, just old school church attendance, passive on Christ, passive on it. I just don't think you'll thrive in Babylon when you have that mentality. I think, I think, I think you have to have the intent. I'm going to be a radiant light in the culture. Or I think, and you know what? I, I honestly hate the, the fact that social media has taken the word influencer from us. I actually hate it because now when I talk to young people about influence, they talk about social media influencers, which ultimately is talking about fame, popularity. But can I tell you this? Influence is not fame. Influence. Influence has nothing to do with platforms or portfolios. It has to do with people. In fact, when I think about the people that have influenced me, they're all terrible at social media. Seriously, Hal Perkins, he ain't that good at Instagram. In fact, he's challenged, right? Dick Eastman, he ain't been on Instagram a day in his life, right? Dr. Green, Southern Nazarene University, brilliant professor. I've never seen him. I'm just making the point. Those men influenced me big time, right? And every time, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a nurse, no matter what you're doing to go out and you're going out to be a radiant light in Babylon, do not buy the lie that you got to build a platform to be somebody. No, you influence the people around you. In fact, when I look at the people who have given their lives to Jesus at Radiant, they've come through people building relationships. It's not been through some famous person doing something. It's been through people, someone hearing about Jesus from a person at the gym. It's been from someone at Starbucks who takes someone by the hand and says, let me tell you about why God at work inside of me. Are you hearing me? All right. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. I just want to invite you, just, just take a moment. and If you just say today, just go, I, I live in Babylon. I, I live in a culture that's dark, and I don't want to be conformed. By the way, I want to, I want to live on that offense. I want to be a radiant light. 
That's just you. Just where you're at. I'm not going to have anybody stand. I'm not going to just, just, you're just a Christ follower and you're saying, I want to be a radiant light. We just raise your hand wherever you're at. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for each one of us as we go into the world of medicine and business and education and finance, as we go into every part of our culture and society, I ask that you would help us like Daniel to be a light. Daniel and his friends, I pray for deep conviction. Holy Spirit, I pray for strength. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would use each person. Bless them. Pray that even as we go into 21 days starting next week, God, I pray that our anchor would be God and God alone. You would be the source of our hope more than our abilities, our skill sets, our dollars, anything. God and God alone. If you're in the room now and you go, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And you just say, I've been living for me. And that ism is, is self-ism. The thing I've been living for is me. Maybe, maybe it's anything other than God. Maybe you've been living for hedonism. You've been living for some pleasure. Maybe it doesn't matter anything other than Jesus. And today you go, I'm not going my way. I want to follow Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to invite you to stay where you're seated. I'm not going to invite you to come up or anything, but I do want to pray for you. If you want to make a decision, whether you're online or in the room and you want to today say, I want to follow Jesus, not my way, but his, you just raise your hand high. I want to pray with you today make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you here or online, just say this prayer. It's short, but just say this. Father, I choose to follow you. God, would you save me? Change me. Do a work inside of me. I give you everything. Not my way, but yours. I'll follow you. I give you my life. Thank you for new life in Christ Jesus. And everybody said amen.